Kendra, you brought up our current governor here in Tennessee, Governor Lee. Um, I want to ask both of you all, um, what rate, from scale of one to 10, would you give um, our governor on the job that he's done to represent all Tennesseans? Well, this is the part where you said drastic disagreement. <laughs> I, I, so one to 10, what's that yeah, number? I'm gonna give him a one. Okay. I'll, I'll be fair and I'll give him a one. Okay, and, I'll, and how about so you? So I'll give him an 11, so we'll be, <laughs> okay. we'll be. Okay, okay. so we got a one and 11. <laughs> I think Governor Lee has done a great. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Jerome Moore. Today, I'm joined by the Tennessee Democratic Party Chairman, Hendra Remus, also the Tennessee Republican Party Chairman, Scott Golden. How y'all fellas doing? Doing Pretty great. Good. Thank y'all for being here. I'm excited about this conversation. Yeah. I told y'all before, if you want to just go ahead and squabble it out now, <laughs> you can't. <laughs> November is on we'll, the line. We'll, we'll get into it. We got, we got 90 days left, so we, we, we'll get into it. Um, let's jump straight into it. Um, there's been a lot of confusion, one would say blurred lines between Democrats and Republicans. So I want to give you all a, a chance to explain like what it means to be a Democrat and what it means to be a Republican. And I'll start with you first, Andrew. Well, obviously, thank you for having us again. Um, you know, being a Democrat is about putting people first. You know, it's about making sure that we have a level playing field where everybody gets a fair and equal opportunity to achieve a life of prosperity and progress, where we are not latching ourselves on to just a top-down approach, but we're building this nation up from the bottom up, and we're protecting folks in the middle class, making sure that they have an opportunity, especially when they are burdening the financial burden of keeping our uh, country afloat. It's about making sure that we're using common sense approach to how we navigate the political spectrum. It's about making sure that we're not trying to apply our own personal ideals and beliefs onto folks, uh, especially when they're centered around a religious aspect. Uh, it's about making sure that people have the right to really, really harness uh, and live out their personal freedoms, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Democratic Party has worked to try to create that, and, and that's what we believe in. Everybody should have the opportunity to be able to thrive in this country. How about you, Scott? Well, that was a lot. That sounded good. Uh, we agree with a, with a lot of that, uh, certainly personal freedom. I, I think for the Republican side, what we see that limits freedom is government overreach. And when the government expands, then individual liberty contracts. And that's really what the Republican Party is focused in. It's been the, been the case for the founding of our country, is to restrain. Reason, one of the reasons why we're no longer a part of Great Britain is because we rebelled against the king and a top-down approach from government. And so that has been the focus of the Republican Party, is to increase individual liberty and getting government off the backs of the individual. Um, so those are the rights that we're fighting for. And, uh, and so that's, I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of what you said is exactly right. The middle class and, and working class people, and, but, but they cannot achieve the American dream when there's a heavy hand of government is upon them. So question for both of you on how this plays into your answer. We all know what happened January 6th, the insurrection. Was that a response to government overreach? Was, it, was that a response of people living out their freedoms and their rights? 
How would you describe that? And I'll start with you, Scott. Well, you know, I, I condemn what happened on January 6th, the day that it happened. Um, I mean, this was, you know, the, the actions of a few individuals who are all have been prosecuted. Um, but I don't think that that, you know, the people that walked into the Capitol that day don't represent the, the vast majority of who Republicans are. Um, I mean, you know, January 6th was terrible. It was condemned from every person in our party um, and said this is not the way that we react. We get, we get ourselves back together, we dust off, we get back to the ballot box, and we hope that in the next 90 days that a lot of, of, of being able to change the direction of the, where we've gone as a country over the last couple of years will be remedied at the polls. And as Americans, that's what we should all be striving for. Well, you know, we talk about government overreach. I mean, we've got folks serving in the state legislature right now who was there on January the 6th, mm. uh, carrying out treasonous act against this nation. Is it government overreach? I guess when you have the President of the United States encouraging people to overthrow a fair election where more people went to the polls and voted than ever before in the history of this country, uh, you have to hex. Is that government overreach from the highest pulpit in government? But I want to tag back just a little bit because we talked about that government overreach piece. I mean, we live in a state where government overreach is at an all-time high under a Republican-controlled legislature, Republican-controlled governor, where they've tried to control every aspect of everyone's lives, who you can marry, what you can teach in schools, who can have health care and who can't have health care. You know, it's, it's become insane, the level of how entrenched these folks in this Republican legislature have become in trying to control every aspect of everyone's life. Um, I'm happy today to be able to say that we're the party in Tennessee that's actually making sure that people can express and really grapple and hold on to their personal freedoms. Je what happened on January the 6th was a culmination of an out of control um, Republican agenda and ideology that uh, really truly started at the top and worked its way down in, in a very manipulative way in uh, corroding what, uh, what could essentially have been you know, the party of all this, all this freedom and choice and rights. But when that becomes a violent, uh, a violent assault on our nation and our democracy. So Scott, well, Scott that's no different. Scott, Scott no, I, would, I want to give you a chance to, okay. to rebuttal that yeah. and, and, and kind of break away from what Hendrell is saying about Republicans are the ones that are trying to be entrenched in controlling Americans' everyday freedoms and rights. Washington just passed a bill this week that President Biden signed today that had 87,000 new IRS agents. Now tell me that's not a top-down government overreach. This is scary government stuff. Andrew, you brought up our current governor here in Tennessee, uh, Governor Lee. Um, I want to ask both of you all, um, what rate, from scale of 1 to 10, would you give um, our Governor uh, Lee at this current moment on the job that he's done to represent all Tennesseans? Well, this is the part where you said drastic disagreement. <laughs> I, I, I think he's done... So one to ten, what's that yeah, number? I'm going to give him a one. Okay. I'll, I'll be fair and I'll give him a one. Okay, and, I'll, and how about... So you? I'll give him an 11, so we'll be... <laughs> okay, we'll be, okay. So, so we got a one and 11. So I'm gonna, I think Governor Lee has done a great Why, why the 11? So I think a Governor Lee campaigned uh, and, you know, as a small business person, um, you know, obviously you see his, it, what he built uh, uh, in a Nashville community in Middle Tennessee um, with a great company. He came in with a, with a message of, you know, he wanted to improve education, um, which we've seen improvement in education over the last four years. 
Uh, you've seen, uh, I mean, teacher pay raises every year, even during COVID. Now, I mean, again, a lot of what the governor has had to grapple with has never happened in the history of our, uh, well, it has happened, but, you know, 100 years ago with the, with the pandemic, we, we, we literally shut government down. And so Tennessee is the fastest approving economy coming out of COVID. Would not have happened without his leadership, in my opinion. Why the one? Well, I mean, <laughs> look at the condition of our state. I mean, on almost every major issue, this governor has failed. On almost every major paint, issue. Paint that picture for us. We talk about, you know, here's a governor, and Scott mentioned him being a person from a small business background, a business background. We have a rainy day fund in this state with billions of dollars in it. Had this been his job in the private sector, he'd be getting a cushiony uh, bonus for all of the revenue that he's sitting on. But when you're looking out for the lives of ordinary people, you don't hold government money in a rainy day fund. You make sure that people uh, can really have a better life. You make sure that we're not just scratching the surface on funding education and, and coming up with teacher pay raises that are way long overdue and also don't go far enough. I mean, all over the country, we have seen the president's policies working to drive the greatest economic, uh, economic engine that we've seen ever under any presidential administration, nine million jobs. So to say that that's the work of just alone, Governor Bill Lee, I mean, we've seen that he hasn't been a leader. You know, there are more people, we have more jobs available in this state than we have people to fill them currently. Mm -hmm. We are the most moved to state in the country. I mean, U-Hauls are coming from California, Illinois, and New York straight into Middle Tennessee. Thousand people a week are moving to Middle Tennessee. That doesn't happen without a very good governor and a very good legislature. So, I mean, our policies are working. I want to pivot into these new congressional maps, yeah. right? Which is going to drastically shift things, voting power, especially for a city like Nashville, who's been historically a blue city. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts, Scott? on the congressional maps, the, the redistricting of the new congressional maps, yeah, and so how that affects voting, and who it affects. Well, I mean, everybody's going to still have the right to vote. The question now becomes, you know, who's got the better chance of winning the, the district? And the Constitution gives the legislature the ability to create the maps. Mm -hmm. And our legislature did what New York did, what Massachusetts did. Um, so this new district was created, you know, it split Nashville up into thirds. Now, I have been sort of the minority of this and having worked in two congressional offices in my, my former life, I can say the fact that Nashville is going to have three members of Congress up there is really going to be a benefit to the city. Well, well the problem becomes, are, are you going to be representing Davidson County, are you going to be despising the folks who live in this in this county? We've already seen the Republican nominee in, in, in District 5 talk about how this is a culture war. This is not a culture mm. war. Playing with people's lives is not a culture war. Republicans have driven us to the brink of all of this division and hatred amongst one another under the guise of culture war. We had a solid representative representing this county in its entirety. We know what racially gerrymandered maps look like. We know what politically gerrymandered maps look like. And this city cracking that has been a national Republican agenda in major cities all over the state, it's not, it's not something that's new to Nashville. And we're gonna continue to challenge it until the Supreme Court and, and courts say that, uh, say that it's dead on arrival. And so, Scott, you mentioned this third that, you know, Davidson County is now being broken up into. Right. Um, this Nashville, is, is now more than ever a multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, city. 
sure. very diverse city. Um, and the majority of these voters that are gonna be affected by these new congressional maps are black and brown folks. Yeah, that, and the, 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 they're black. They're black. They're black and brown folks. Um, how do you feel about their voices and the representation yeah. that they may or may not have uh, with these new congressional maps? And then, Andrea, I'll throw it to you. I, I think that's a pretty dim view if, okay. if, if people are only voting for their skin color, right? Okay. Herschel Walker in Georgia, Tim Scott in South Carolina. These are great patriotic Americans that are running. And to say that, well, I'm only going to vote for somebody because of their skin color, mm -hmm. I think just that's not the way a Republican Party mindset works. A Republican Party mindset is we want everybody. We think our policies are great for America. We want less government. We want less taxes. We want people to be able to succeed, have that, as you talked okay. about, that opportunity is, is what we're for. And so to say that, well, I'm only going to do this because, you know, that, I, I think that that's a fairly closed mind. So you do believe that? this third of the split will, in fact, help these minority voters uh, with, with this new congressional map shifting? I, I you know, I, yeah, I think that at okay. the end of the day, it, 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 look, it's, it's, I mean, Hendrell and I come in here and we talk about different policy differences, right? And they're gonna be good policy de debates. Okay. Um, but I think as far as just the, the good hearted nature of the people that we're sending up there, they wanna do what's good for everybody. Andrew, what are your thoughts? I mean, on I disagree with, with the last statement. I don't, I don't think that they want to do good for, good for everybody. Uh, I mean, Andy Ogles himself has said, this is a culture war. Here's the, here's the point that Republicans often miss. This isn't about just voting for folks based on skin color. This is about fair representation. I mean, where you got a city like Memphis, where the uh, congressman is white and the city is majority black. You have a place like Davidson County, where Jim Cooper was white and there were tens of thousands of black voters helping to elect him. It's about making sure that black and brown people have a voice and a say in who represents them, not just based on the color of their skin, but based on the policies and the ideas that they believe in. And so I, I have to ask this because we can all agree, I think, that like race has played and does play a, 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 whole, a whole lot of, a whole huge factor mm -hmm. in this country from its existence, right? Um, being in politics, um, does the United States have racist politics? I'll start with you, Scott. I, I don't, I don't know what that means. I mean, I, you know, you're going to say different issues and whatever. Well, I would say, I, I mean, would look, say it, it, policies it's, it's a that heart problem created? for people of faith. Okay. It comes down to a heart problem, right? Okay. If they are racist, that means that they are not going by the Bible that I pray to, okay. uh, you know, every day and on Sunday, right? Okay. And so, hopefully, that there are the people of faith would would take a different approach. We have a, a system that is systemically racist, you know, built on systemic racism. I mean, a system that was designed to, to keep black and brown people down, pull black and brown people down. Uh, and for the most part, that system was perpetrated by politics, mm -hmm. by and through politics. Uh, however you want to put it, Scott had, Scott had mentioned something about faith and, and finding what's in your heart. And, and, and those good things. We know uh, on Sunday morning is the most segregated place to be in this country. Church. Is, is on a pew in your mm -hmm. respected church, whether that's a black Baptist church or, or a white Lutheran church. I mean, you, we've got some major issues racially that we haven't really dealt with in this, in this country. I mean, we've done a great job at putting a mask on it. I mean, I sit here as the first black person to ever have this job as the Tennessee Dem Democratic Party chair. 
a Democratic mm -hmm. Party chair. So and that tells you right there that we've got a whole lot of work to do on both sides of the aisle, uh, especially when it comes to racial issues. Probably good news for Scott, uh, probably bad news for you, Hendrell, <laughs> that the Republicans have a supermajority yeah. here in Tennessee. Um, how does that affect how Democrats and Democrat voters uh, participate in politics? People call this a red state. Uh, I, I've heard a lot of folks in the activist community call it a non-voting state. I tend to agree with them more. Uh, we're 47th in the nation in voter participation. I mean, we're a non-voting state. Uh, the more people that participate, the better chances will increase for, for Democrats. The more we get people ingrained and engaged in the process, the better the chances will be for Democrats. And, you know, it hadn't always been this way. Um, from Reconstruction up until 2010, about 2010, Republic, uh, Democrats had control of, of the state. But these last 10 years or so, this last decade under Republican control has felt like a lifetime of hell because the policies have not been aligned with where the people are. I was just going to say, the last decade's been right. fantastic, right, right. by it's, the way. Been, <laughs> but there was a lot of work for the Republicans to get to that stage. Yeah, but but yeah. How, how do you all take the power that you have to, to make Tennessee a better Tennessee? I, I mean, look, I, I think when you, when you look at the metrics across the board, Tennessee is, is really doing well. We're doing much better than any state in the Southeast. I mean, we just, we just landed uh, Ford, who's building their electric F-150s in our neck of the woods out in West Tennessee, right? So, I mean, you don't, you don't get that unless people are looking at what you're doing right in Tennessee. Either that comes from education, that comes from workforce development. I mean, there's always places that we're going to improve. I mean, there's going to be squabbles in the legislature and there's going to be issues to debate it. But, I mean, but you can tell with what we've got. I mean, you know, in the last decade, we've, we've added Volkswagen, now Ford. And, I mean, we've become an automotive hub. And all the things that go into that, I mean, clearly we're moving in the right direction. And I think the voters have rewarded um, what, what has been accomplished. And I think they will again in November. Speaking of November, what is at stake for Tennesseans this, come, this coming November for 2022? Well, obviously the, 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 the most high profile is going to be the governor's race. Um, that's the only statewide election. It's the first one in, in several years that, that, uh, that it's just been won. We've had the senators the last couple of years. Um, so, the, so the governor will be high profile. Of course, all uh, 99 members of the state house are up and then uh, I don't know, 17, 16 or 17 of the of the uh, state Senate is, is up this time around. And then, of course, you know, all the all the members of Congress. Uh, so everybody's working hard for the folks who live in this state. Everything's at stake. It's all on the line. Uh, how mm. our how our educational system is going to be funded, uh, whether or not women are going to have the choice to decide what happens with their own health care whether or not uh, the personal freedoms that citizens uh, 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 depend on in this state are, uh, are assaulted by this uh, Republican supermajority, whether or not we move the needle on uh, where we are with hatred and division in this state, whether or not trans kids are going to have to go to school fearful of what might happen to them because of uh, the dangerous president that has been set by this Republican uh, supermajority, whether or not librarians are going to have to worry about being arrested and charged by, uh, by district attorneys who have set out on a political agenda just because of what they're teaching kids in school, whether or not our children are going to be able to go into the future more diverse and more informed and more knowledgeable than our generation was. So everything's online and at stake uh, in this next election. Andrew, um, how has Trump, President, former President Trump, 
changed politics and how we see politics today and the climate. <laughs> how hasn't he changed it? Um, <laughs> I agree with that. For, 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 yeah. How, so, yeah. how, how hasn't he changed For better or for worse. It's, yeah. it's, it's no. like going into a closet and, and dropping a grenade in there on yourself. It, 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 he has really uh, exasperated uh, the darkest parts of politics. Mm. He has made truth something that people don't gravitate to. He has made um, conspiracy theorists uh, the lay of the land when it comes to ideology. He has caused us to doubt each other. He has created more chaos with his manipulative con man ways um, than, than, than probably anybody who's ever ascended to the highest uh, level of, of government. But the most dangerous thing is that he has put our democracy in a very fragile state where at any moment, we don't know which Republican senator or congressman or which Republican um, state house member or governor is going to try to do something crazy enough to undermine the democracy in this nation and to really set us back. Has he done anything good uh -huh. from your perspective? The only thing that he's done good, in, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is made people realize how important their power is as voters and as citizens of this democracy and of this nation. Scott, what, did you, what, are, you, what are your thoughts on um, it's, poli uh, politics in um, the Trump era? In the Trump era. And, yeah, you know, it, it, you know I, was, I, was, I was marveling at it the other day that he's still, he's been out of office now for 19 months. 19 months. And he still leads the newscast on ABC every day. I said, that is, that is pretty transformative that six years that it has done nothing but a media dominated has been the headlines. I don't know. The, the, he could retire on the amount of money he could make living inside Democrats' head. So is Trump good or bad for the Republicans? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that he has, look, everybody, we, I mean, think about how great it was. By the way, I really enjoyed paying $1.71 in gas the day that he left. Uh -huh. Now, when it went back up to $3.49, now I'm thankful that, that we're under $5 that Joe Biden has given us. But I, when, I, when I'm buying milk and eggs at the store, uh, that, that has quadrupled since Joe Biden has taken office. That wasn't the case with Donald Trump. And he had to fight a pandemic, which, you know, right. I, I, for better or for worse, we didn't know what it meant. Is, but, so I mean, Scott, is, he, is he good or bad for Republicans, guys? Well, I, I think everybody appreciates what his policies were. Okay. There's no question. All right. Um, yes, I mean, and, yes but, and no. But a yes, lot yes, of it yes is, and no, look, it, it's not that simple, though. Okay. But I mean, okay. it's because one thing that I think he has done from our side is sort of highlighted how partisan the media is and mm. that's really you want to talk about there has been no group sink lower in the approval ratings in the last four years in the media the mainstream media and and you know you talk about that's undermining them when you can't trust the information that's being presented to you that gets a little scary well, in terms of our democracy well, what we just experienced was a master class in the mega era of republican politics i mean yes he's on the news cycle every day but it's the most chaotic for the most chaotic things. Mm. He's been terrible for the country. He was terrible for the world. Mm. So um, to, to close this out, to close this out, I want to give each of you all the space and time to deliver a message to the Tennesseans here, um, Republicans, Democrats, in between, um, on why it's important to vote and the power that they have with their vote um, here in Tennessee. 
Scott, listen, I'll let you go first. I, listen, I, I'll, I'll say this, and this, this has been great, Jerome. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. it. Now, y'all have been you, great. You guys, I mean, we, this, this is what we get paid to do, right? He, I, I, our two sides, we're going to argue. We're going to be passionate about our, uh, about our causes. But, uh, but, I, but I really like Hendrell. We've, we worked together on, the, on the both conventions, trying to get uh, Tennessee to be a convention city. And so we both made some effort to, uh, in that. And some, so there were some great things. But, but he's going to believe what he's going to believe. I'm going to believe what I'm going to be. But ultimately, look, that decision is in the power of everybody that gets out to vote. I mean, I, there were more people that voted in Tennessee in 2020 than ever before in the history of our state. Um, so that was great to see. I mean, I spend days, and I know I can probably speak for you, that, that, that that's our job is to get people out to vote. We call people, we knock on their door, we send them mail, please get out to vote. And, it is, and, it, and when you think about what has been sacrificed uh, for that right to vote and, that, and to know that there's a certain percentage of people that just don't want to take it, uh, advantage of it, it, it's sad. But, I mean, we're going to continue to keep doing. I hope that everybody uh, comes out. I appreciate good dissent. I mean, there are great iron shoppers, iron shoppers, iron. Uh, and, and, and so having these good discussions about the direction of our state is fantastic, but ultimately it's settled in the ballot box and it's done so without violence. So. Kendrill, the message to Tennesseans, particularly maybe Democrats, or just all Tennesseans on why it's important to vote and um, get out there and use that power that they have. Absolutely. The power that one's vote has will control our destiny. It's just that simple. Uh, we are coming off a, um, a August election where we saw record low turnout from both Democrats and Republicans across this state. When we don't harness that power to vote, when we don't exercise that right, not only do we disregard the sacrifices that so many people have made, even with their own lives, uh, for people to have that right, but what we do is we set in place uh, this prolonged, prolonged experience of people having to just settle for whoever is elected by a small fraction of folks who live in their state or the folks who live in their community. We, and when we don't vote, when we don't express that, uh, that, that, that voice, then I think we eliminate our opinion on anything that's happening in our community. If you're not going to get involved and engage in the process, then you by default has helped to uh, create a problem. If we're going to change the direction in this state, in this nation, and ultimately help to structure what the next generation of this world will look like, then folks have got to get out and vote. Well, look, I want to appreciate both of you all for um, sitting down with me and having this civil and brave conversation yeah. to discuss what's happening on a Republican, Democrat, but just also what's happening in our communities um, in this state. So thank you all. Uh, good luck to both parties yeah. in November. And uh, thank you all for watching.